Have you ever listened to a podcast and thought about what other listeners are saying about that episode? Have you ever thought about giving feedback and interacting with the host of a favorite podcast? Podroom is a podcast player and chatroom platform for the podcast communities. Join millions of similar podcast listeners and interact with like minds on the Podroom app. It's a social networking platform with over 750,000 audio and video podcast content. It's available on the Play Store and App Store. Download Podroom now to enjoy this episode. Better is a moment that is better with you than a million other days away. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the secret place. I welcome you to another episode of Women Prayer Group Podcast. We thank God for life and every good thing he has done for us. This episode features one of our recorded Bible studies. We hold our meetings every other Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Please contact us to be a part of this group by sending us a message on the Podium app. When you contact us, we will provide a conference call number with which you can dial in into our meetings. opportunity to study your word this morning. We thank you for a gift of life. Thank you because you created us in your own image. Even when we fell into sin, you did not leave us alone. You sent your son Jesus to rescue us from our sins, from ourselves. We thank you, God Almighty, for your plan of redemption. We thank you because you keep showing us yourself and your love. With the things you created, we thank you, God Almighty, for showing yourself in our lives, in our finances, in our marriages, in our careers, oh God. Say be thou glorified in the name of Jesus. Even as we study your word this morning, we ask that you would honor us with your presence. Let each and every woman joining right now feel your presence. Let each and every person listening right now, oh God, feel your presence in their lives, oh God. And change our lives. Speak to us the word that will take us to where you want us to be, your God. Receive the glory as we fellowship with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, I want to welcome you again. So, um, last week, we studied, we started studying about Moses. Under this big umbrella or topic called Knowing God. And so um, we've been understanding what it means to know God, what it means to know God intimately and personally. So it's not enough to know who God is. For example, if you go to church or if somebody has told you about God, you know about God. You don't really know God. Going to church or hearing about God doesn't really mean you know God. And so we are trying to understand what it really means to know God. 
and you could ask yourself, do I really know God? So we have studied what John's account was about knowing God, why we should try to know God. And John said in John 17:3 that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus whom he has sent. That means if we know God and Jesus, we have eternal life. And from our studies, if we know God and Jesus here on earth, or if we begin to know God and Jesus here on earth, because of course we cannot finish knowing him until we finally see him on that last day. So if we begin to know God and Jesus here on earth, our eternal life would begin here on earth. So how nice and great will it be for eternal life to begin here on earth? It's awesome. In order for you to experience what you would experience in heaven here on earth, you need to know God and Jesus. That's what it means, basically. And so, if eternal life means knowing God and Jesus, I really want to know God. I really want to know Jesus so that I would even start experiencing eternal life here on earth. We read another scripture that says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So what's is what God's kingdom is all about is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so if I know God, then I begin to experience righteousness here on earth. I begin to experience joy here on earth. I experience peace here on earth. And these days, many people make people, um, many, many things make people experience joy and maybe happiness. And many people feel like when they have a lot of money or when they have their dream job or their dream marriage or their dream kids, they would have joy and peace and whatever. But the Bible is trying to tell us that joy, real joy, peace, and even righteousness are the qualities of the kingdom of God. And in order for you to have that, you need to know God and Jesus. And we also read Philippians and Peter where Paul and Peter told us about why... Okay, okay, so John told us about why we should know God. Paul and Peter told us how we should get to know God more and Jesus. And if I should recap, how we would get to know God and Jesus intimately would be to have faith in God. That's the first step. The second step is counting all our achievements as done. All our worldly achievements, count them as rubbish. That is what it takes to truly know God. Because Paul said, in order for you to truly know God, you need to count all your achievements and self-righteousness as nothing. And we, we expressly explained that in the previous meetings, how to count your achievements as nothing. How to be humble before God. That is the only way that God can show you himself. God can teach you who he is. And Paul said all his achievements in the previous um, meetings we discussed that. And he counted them as nothing. He didn't see himself as all those things anymore. And he humbled himself 
in order to know God. Peter also said that you don't need faith alone to know God. You need to add the fruit of the Spirit to your faith. And we concluded that you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not yours. And I don't have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not mine. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning that it is, it, all those fruits belong to the Holy Spirit. And we need to ask Him to give us those fruit of the Spirit. And we saw the fruit of the Spirit um, in previous verses, in previous meetings. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, righteousness, faith, goodness, um, self-control, um, patience. Um, there are nine of them. So let me quickly list them. The fruits of the Spirit. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. You see, they call it fruit, not fruits. So, they are all part of one fruit. So, you have, for example, a fruit is, um, an orange can be a fruit. The orange has the orange back or the yellow back, if you want to call it that. It has the pulp, it has the seed, it has the, the fiber and the juice, right? All those things make a fruit. And so the fruit of the spirit is one fruit and the, the, the parts of the fruits are love, joy, peace, perseverance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it takes the Holy Spirit that owns this fruit to give it to us. So we, have to ha we need to have faith and ask the Holy Spirit to give us this fruit. And that is how we, should, that is how we would know God better. Amen. So all these things have to be in our hearts if we are seeking to know God. Have faith in God. Count your worldly achievements as done. Even if it's an achievement in the church. For example, you preach to 1,000 people. That's an achievement. And it could get in, into your head. See that as the Holy Spirit's um, achievements, right? Not your own achievements. Count your worldly efforts or your career, your achievements as nothing before God then God will truly show you himself. And lastly, add to your faith the fruit of the Spirit by asking the Holy Spirit to give you these fruits. And last uh, meeting, we started studying Moses, how Moses got to know God. And we read from um, Exodus chapter um, 32. So we started from 32, although we were going to chapter 33. We, we gave like a brief summary about Moses and discovered that Moses knew God. Oh, sorry. Moses knew about God. He did not really know God. He knew that God was the um, father or God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or Israel. He knew that God was the God of the Israelites. He knew about God, but never really knew God. And we read how 
God called Moses in the burning bush and said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Imagine God just showing up, right? You, Moses didn't have the Bible that we have right now. He didn't have all those details about God that we have, we have been opportune to learn about. He didn't have all those things. He just knew that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and knew about the history of how God worked with Jacob and Joseph and brought them to Egypt, but now they were suffering. The Israelites were suffering under slavery in Egypt. That is all Moses knew about God. And fast forward to the burning bush, he just saw God and and this person or this thing in the burning bush just said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want to send you to Pharaoh to free my people. He's like, okay, I don't know anything about you, but all right, I will do what you ask. If you're God, then I bow before you. And he bowed before God, and God started working with him from then. Fast forward to when it was, it was through the power of God able to release the Israelites from Egypt and they came to the wilderness, and God was giving him the Ten Commandments on the mountain. However, the people were sinning in the wilderness while God was giving him the Ten Commandments. So that was what we read um, last week in Genesis, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter um, 32. So Aaron made uh, an idol for the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 32 and they began to worship the idol and praise the idol as the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt and they began to worship the idol the way they knew how to worship right God had not given them the Ten Commandments so they did not know how to worship God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob so they started worshiping God the way the idol worshippers worship God they do the normal ceremony. They get naked, start committing fornication and adultery in front of the idol. They did all sorts of nonsense in front of the idol. That is how the bad people, the evil people, worship the idols. And God, on the other hand, was giving the commandments to Moses on the mountain. And he looked and saw that these people had already sinned even before the law came. And... God said, Moses, stand aside and let me destroy these people. Let me destroy these people because I'm here giving you commandments saying, um, the first commandment says, thou shalt not have any other God before me. And you're, you're already doing the opposite. So Tameka, free, feel free to stop me wherever you have a question or wherever you want to pitch in and chime in and contribute so just feel okay. free yeah to stop me so um god was giving moses the ten commandments for the people while the people were doing all sort of things right that god hated and god said moses step aside these people have done they've done terrible things just now i want to just destroy them with my fire or my anger and moses was like oh wait 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 hold on why, why are you so angry, right, at these people that you saved? 
you you did you made all the effort to save them from Egypt. You sent plagues on the Pharaoh. You sent um, you killed his firstborn. You divided the Red Sea. We passed through the Red Sea. You saved us, and now we are here in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, you just want to destroy them without after everything you've done for them. Don't be too angry at your people," said Moses. And God was like, uh, and Moses was like, "Why are you even angry?" Right. So Moses did not know that God totally hated sin, totally hated those kind of things. So knowing God is knowing what God hates and knowing what God loves. And loving God is seeking to do what God loves every second of our lives. So do you really know God? Do I really know God? Do we know what God hates and what God loves? So Moses was like, why are you even angry at these people? Don't you love them anymore? And so that encounter taught Moses to understand who God is, understand what he hated. And we read that in chapter 32 last week that Moses was so angry. Yeah, so Moses was now angry because God was angry at the people. Um, Moses was now angry at the people, right? Although he already appeased God and said, please, please don't destroy them. In fact, destroy me instead. And God was like, nope. Anybody that sins will be destroyed. I can't destroy you for the people. And, but I'm not going to destroy them. But take the Ten Commandments and go unto them and tell them not to do this. And Moses came down from the mountain, took the Ten Commandments, went to the people, and... The, the thing Moses did was even surprising to God, you know. He got very angry at the people. <laughs> Instead of now showing them the Ten Commandments, that in fact, it is written as the first commandment, do not worship any other God except me, right? So instead of showing them the Ten Commandments, he broke the Ten Commandments in his anger. So he just threw the Ten Commandments down and it broke, right? And the idol they made, the idol they made, he broke it into pieces, he grinded it, and put it in the water for them to drink. That was what Moses did. And there were some other people still doing something bad in one side of the camp, committing adultery. And he told, and he asked, who is on the Lord's side? And the, a tribe of Israel called the Levites came and said, we are on the Lord's side. And he, Moses instructed them to grab their swords and kill all the people still committing sin against God, even though they were their brothers, imagine. And so the men killed their brothers that were committing sin against God, and they killed up to 3,000 men that day. Yeah. So, so I think, like, right up in here, I was just, like, reading this um not too long ago, too. And I was like, well, dang, God, you was just out here, <laughs> you know, just 
I mean, sin was really sin back then. I mean, which it still is now. But it was kind of difficult to read that because I'm like, well, dang, where's the forgiveness? Where's the understanding? Yada, yada. And I think as time goes on, God grew to understand, you know, I guess the mind frame that we're in. Yeah. And it kind of adjusts from there. But when I was reading it, yeah, I was like, dang, it was serious. Like, yeah. It was no, no for, well, I guess it was forgiveness, but it was just strict. Like, I said no. Yeah. So, yeah, that was an adjustment to go back to that in the Old Testament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the thing is, we are not destroyed today because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because sin is so terrible. It looks like it's not terrible because we don't know the gravity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sin is so terrible that... God doesn't mind destroying all the people that are sinners, right? But mm-hmm. from, from a point in time, Jesus, who is also part of God, so just imagine you're, you have a spirit, soul, and body, right? And your spirit is like, I'm going to, or your mind is telling you, this is terrible, I have to destroy this. And your spirit is telling you, uh, or one part of your body or your mind is telling you, can you just chill? <laughs> can you just please don't, don't, don't just take this rash decision, right? I think mm-hmm. I, I love these people and I, I, can, I can help them, right? So that is, that is a part of God. So God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are this three-in-one being that make decisions in themselves. And God is like, I hate sin. In fact, I created these people and they just chose, I gave them free will, right? So I did not, I could create robots or um, people that don't have free will. But I gave them free will and they chose evil in the first week, right? So in the first week of creating (laughs) them, they just chose evil, right? Why don't I just create robots? Why would I just create people who would give them free will and they just like evil, just like that, you know? So Jesus was like, there's a solution, right? I love them. I'm going to go and suffer for them. And Jesus came on the cross, died, went to hell, suffered for us, suffered all our eternal punishments of the whole world in less than three days, right? Everything that we would have suffered, separation from God, punishment in hell. Jesus went to hell to suffer those things for each and every one of us already. And because he was God, he was able to do that in three days. He was able to go and suffer for us. And he rose again. And then every, anyone that wants to be redeemed should just come to him and they would have their redemption. And so, we are here just because of Jesus. If it's, if it's left to God alone, we would all have been dead right now. Oh, yeah. And that is why we pray in the name of Jesus. We, we cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus. In fact, no matter how good anybody is, they cannot be saved except for Jesus. So Jesus is the one helping us right now. Jesus is the one covering us right now from God's anger. 
because he hates sin too, too much. He hates sin totally. So whenever we sin, we just run under Jesus. <laughs> That's just what is saving us. In fact, mm-hmm. there was a time that Moses' son, Moses was going somewhere and Moses was going somewhere with his son and his wife. And because Moses was not, not really know the law of Abraham, where God said they should circumcise the firstborn, just to show that he is for God. That's like a mark of holiness or purity, right? And Moses uh-huh. did not circumcise his son. And so he, so everything in the Old Testament now has like a, is a shadow of the New Testament. So it doesn't literally mean circumcision. Circumcision means cleanliness, purity. And in uh-huh. the New Testament, you don't, you might not circumcise your child if you want to. Is uh-huh. it, that stands for purity of Christ? So the blood of Jesus will circumcise your heart. So everything in the Old Testament just shows you what it shows you spiritual things with physical examples. Uh-huh. And I always say that we that are after the New Testament, we are fortunate because we are not an example. So when God destroyed the people, is it shows it's a physical example because God normally will not destroy the people in the people after the New Testament. He would only destroy them spiritually. Do you understand? So no, everything I don't. okay, great. So everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of what would come. So whenever you hear the the Israelites are fighting against some other um, country, right? Uh-huh. And they are fighting with swords. And in fact, when they never the fight, God uh, uh, fights for them. Sometimes they didn't have to fight with swords. So when they fight in the in the physical, when they fight and God gives them victory, that symbolizes spiritual victory for us after Christ, after Jesus has come. So it doesn't mean you should fight with your neighbor with sword and you will win. No. It means that you should fight with your enemy spiritually and God will give you the victory. Ah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that everything had to be physical in the Old Testament for them. But it's actually fortunate for us because we understand what it means now. Because if God had... If Jesus had died died on the cross the next day after Adam and Eve sinned, and mm-hmm. we had experienced salvation, um, redemption, and all those things, the next day after Adam and Eve sinned, we would not understand what the gravity of what Jesus did for us. And if Jesus had died the next day after Adam and Eve sinned, right? We would not understand what it means for when God says he's fighting our battles for us. We would be like, okay, fighting our battles. Who are the enemies? I don't see any enemies. But because we have seen battles in the Old Testament where God fought for the um, Israelites, we can understand now when we are going through trials that God is fighting for us. We can understand how he's fighting for us because the Old Testament was an example of how God fought for his people. So everything uh-huh. in the Old Testament, it is 
everything in the Old Testament is physical, right? But turn everything in the Old Testament to spiritual in the New Testament. So if God says he's going to bless them and let their bands be filled with abundant blessings, what it means for us Christians is that he will bless us spiritually. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Spiritually. Yes. So just yeah. uh, understand that. He's going to bless us spiritually. Everything is spiritual. This is why. You see that, you, you see worldly people that are making it. The, the rich people of this world. <clears throat> the big names. The richest men in the world. <laughs> Some of them are not even Christians. So are you, are you trying to say that um, their, their wealth comes from being good or being a Christian? No. So physical mm-hmm. blessing is not an issue. There's a, there's a law with it. Some people call it karma. Some people call it law of attraction. And so whether you're a Christian or you're a sinner, once you follow that principle, you will be rich. Once you work hard, once you, um, once you give to the poor, once you give money, you will get money back. Once you invest, you will get, when you invest, especially if you invest wisely, you will get money back. So financial blessing is not even part of any promise from God. Do you get it? All the financial blessings God has in the Old Testament are now transferred as spiritual blessings for us here. For financial blessings, for financial blessings, God can give you wisdom on how to do business and get those financial blessings. God gives the unbelievers wisdom on how to do business to get financial blessings. But everything in the Old Testament is now spiritual in the New Testament. So whenever God told them to sacrifice for their sins, it's physical sacrifice, it's just to show us what Jesus did for us spiritually. Just an example of what Jesus has done for us, how he sacrificed himself for us. So the New Testament people, I say it again, are fortunate because we are not examples. Everything in the Old Testament is example of spiritual things. So that when, when it happens, um, we will understand the gravity of it. So thank, welcome, Busola. Um, thank you for joining us. We're just Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're just trying to explain the wars and the things that happened in the Old Testament and how it relates to us. Is God really wicked? Um, why God destroys or punishes his people in the Old Testament. And that stemmed from Moses when God was giving him the Ten Commandments on the mountain and he looked over to where the people were and they were already sinning. As we read last week, they created a calf and they bowed to eat. They naked themselves, started committing adultery in front of the calf. That's how the idol people worship their God. And they thought that that is the same way to worship the God that delivered them from Egypt. And God, was, and God told Moses, step aside and let me destroy these people, right? So all those things, physical punishments, they are in the New Testament. The punishment for sin is now, is now spiritual, right? Everything in the Old Testament that was physical is, is an example of what happens in the spiritual realm in the New Testament, or, after, or to us who are after the coming of Christ. So that's what I was just trying to explain. Even when they talk about fi- financial blessings in the Old Testament, it, 
translates to spiritual blessings. Everything in the altar is a shadow of things to come, and it's an example of what happens in the spiritual. And so when before you came, I was trying to explain that financial blessing is not even is a promise of God. So because in this in this physical realm, it's now spiritual blessings, spiritual richness, spiritual wealth. You can get financial blessing without being a Christian. By following the laws, the principles. And of course, financial blessing is like rain and the sun. Because the rain falls on the sinners. Sun shines on the murderers. The people that will kill somebody in cold blood. And maybe the blood stains their clothes. They will wash the blood away with the water that God provided. And then they will dry the, the clothes that, that was soaked in somebody else's blood. In the sun, and the sun will dry the clothes perfectly well. The sun will not say, no, I won't shine on your clothes because you're a murderer. Nope. So, so also is financial blessings. It shines on um, people, whether they're sinners or righteous. So if, you, if somebody is coming to be a Christian because they want to be rich or financially blessed, that's the wrong motive for being a Christian. Because... Investments can get you riches, can multiply your wealth. And every blessing that God has said in the old one in the old testament is spiritual. And yes, God can give you wisdom on how to make wealth as a Christian, if He wants to. And that is if and that is if um, if you have overcome the love for money. So if you are truly following God. Training for following Jesus. And if he wants you to grow faster in him, he might not give you financial blessing until you've overcome the love for money. That's just the thing. That's, that's the thing. Does anybody have any question about anything we've discussed before we move to Exodus 33? I think that pretty much sums it up. Great understanding. Definitely. All right, that's that's really cool. Thank God. Yeah. So Moses did not really know why God was angry with the people because he didn't know that God hated sin totally. And I was talking about so let me just summarize the other one I was talking about that we are here and alive and still and have not been destroyed by God because of Jesus. So I, I gave an analogy of having the soul, spirit, and body, and one part of your mind is telling you to take this decision, and the other one is saying, chill, wait, 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 let's think about it well. So that's how God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit work. And he created us in his image. And they are one God, but they are three in one, right? Making decisions together, having equal power, equal authority, equal everything. Just like your soul is not greater than your spirit. They are equal. And so God should have destroyed us on the next day after Adam and Eve sinned. But Jesus said, okay, sure, let's, let's do this. And I also said that God would have, Jesus would have um, died on the cross the next day Adam and Eve sinned. But we would not understand the meaning of it if um, God did not explain using physical examples in the Old Testament. 
For example, he made them do sacrifice once a year, sacrifice the lamb to atone for their sins. All those things, they show you the importance of what Jesus did on the cross. If we, if we don't know all these things, we will not know um, the gravity of it. The blessings that the Israelites enjoyed is an example of the spiritual blessings, how beautiful and great it is. So if we, did not, if we didn't have that example, we would not know the value of spiritual blessings. And on and on like that, everything, the wars that was fought, if we did not understand the gravity of how they got the victory, we would not see the importance of spiritual victory. Yeah. So one thing I was explaining was Moses was asked to go somewhere by God. And he took his wife and his son. But he was not living in Egypt or among Israelites, so he did not circumcise his son. And he was on his way to go to where God had sent him. And God went with him on the way and discovered that his son was not circumcised. And God wanted to kill Moses. Do you, do you understand? It's just like God just saw like, no, no, this, this is disobedience. And God wanted to kill him. Moses and his wife in with the wisdom of God grabbed the son took a knife and just circumcised him immediately right so the 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 wife took a knife circumcised his son immediately just like a sacrifice and God said okay 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 imagine that so that is the gravity of sin, right? That is the gravity of disobedience. Like God is, in fact, when he looks on the earth, he, just like how he did during the time of Noah, he doesn't mind destroying everything. And that is how he looks on the earth right now and sees a lot of sin around. And we have not been destroyed because of Jesus. So our righteousness is nothing. We only could, should depend on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So if you say you're good, you're good to everybody, you're doing all these things. Mm. If you are not under Jesus Christ, those things are not good enough for God. Only when you're covered with the blood of Jesus, that is what is good enough for God. So, question. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so... In comparison to the Old Testament and now, like, their repentance back then was, um, like, sacrificing lambs and things of that nature. But now our repentance is more so just praying. Is there any scripture that you know um, offhand that would just be, like, a, a guidance in repentance or anything? Or because it's completely different now. <laughs> yeah. The Bible did not leave us without, like, instructions on how to come to Christ, you know? So in the Old Testament, it said that God... So let me let me bring it up. And if you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews just compares the old and the new clearly. So if you read oh. Hebrews chapter 1, if you can finish the whole book of Hebrews, then you will understand... Everything. So it says in one part that we have not come to um, sacrifice or do like yearly sacrifices, sacrifices every year, such that 
sometimes the person that did your sacrifice last year, the priest that did your sacrifice last year, might have even died. So you start looking for another priest to do the sacrifice this year. But Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all, right? Mm -hmm. So Hebrews compares them. And then to come to Christ in salvation, the Bible in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, you can write down the scriptures, says that right now, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so there are two things. Some people, when they come to Christ, they only confess with their mouth. They don't believe in their heart. And you see how um, all, the, all the process that was done in the olden days has to be done again to you, but this time by God. And so when you come down on your knees and you say, oh God, I repent from all my sins. God, the master of the sacrifice, the person that is going to officiate all the sacrifice, is looking at your heart and saying, are you really sorry? So people that come to the altar, when the pastor says, if you want to become a child of God, come to the altar right now and let us pray for you. All the people that come and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, if they do not believe in their hearts, they would go back home the same. They have to believe in their hearts and accept Jesus in their heart. And God God is the only one that can see your heart. So you believe in your heart that you are, you are sorry for your sins, that you accept Jesus' sacrifice for your sins, and you want to live as a child of God. And then God will begin the work of righteousness in your heart. He will take that old man that loves to sin and take him out of you and crucify him to the cross and then plant baby Jesus in your heart to replace the old man. And baby, Jesus has to grow in your heart. Has to grow in your heart. So when, when, um, when, when that happens, then you have the Spirit of God in you. And all you need to do is to listen to that Spirit and be led by that Spirit. And yes, you might have some habits that that old man that was nailed to the cross has touched you. You might have those habits in you. Little by little, when you listen to baby Jesus in your heart, every day you begin to unlearn those habits that the old man has taught you and begin to learn the new habits that Jesus will teach you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So do you want to confess with your mouth this morning? I do. I do. Thank you, Lord. So, um, I'll just like you to bow your head in prayer and trust in God right now because God is here. The Bible says that where two people or three people shall, shall talk about God, shall agree and pray about God, He would come there into their midst and will help them and would be with them. So God is listening to you right now. Jesus is listening to you right now. So just close your eyes and and talk to God by yourself and tell him that you are sorry for 
all the things that you have done against him. In fact, the things that you don't even know that were bad, the things that you've done that you don't even know will make him angry. Tell him to please forgive you for your sins. Forgive you for the sins you committed knowingly or unknowingly. The sins of thinking bad thoughts, doing bad things, saying bad things. God, please forgive me. Just say, God, please forgive me. I come to you sincerely. With honest heart, Lord, I need you to forgive me and help me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I'd like you to say the, the prayer with me. Um, say after me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. For everything you've done. For everything you've done. I. I. I've come to you. I've come to you. I humble myself before you. I humble myself before you. And I ask. And I ask. That you forgive me my sins. That you forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. And make me as white as snow. And make me as white as snow. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose up on the third day for me. I believe that you rose up on the third day for me. I accept your sacrifice on the cross. I accept your sacrifice on the cross. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you should come into my heart, Jesus. I ask that you come into my heart, Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit live in my life. Let your Holy Spirit live in my life. Change Jesus. my life. Change my life. Help me become like Jesus. Help me to become like Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. Because on that last day, because on that last day, I will be found in heaven. I didn't catch that last part. I will be found in heaven. I will be found in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank Amen. You. Amen. So congratulations, Mecca. Thank you. God has seen oh. your heart. And he... Congrats to me, Pat. You're welcome. <laughs> to the Thank of Christ. Thank love you. you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Me too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm doing here with my client. I got her in here about to cry. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> wow. Wow. God is great. God is great. See, God God has been waiting for you. And that's why he has brought you here today. Because this is not even what we are supposed to delve into. 
but we delved into it today just for you. And I thank God that he has had his way today in your life. And all you need to do right now is to listen to his voice in your heart. Jesus will be speaking to you. Jesus that is now living in you will be speaking to you. And you need to obey his voice. And he will tell you to read his word. Because that is how you know about him and know him personally and intimately. You know, in order to know somebody intimately, you need to read his word and pray. Have time to speak to him. It might be early in the morning or late in the night. Or maybe any time where you, everywhere is quiet. He will speak to your hearts. And he will give you the grace to hate sin, to hate sin totally and love righteousness. And as you continue to give in to his voice and obey his voice, he will perfect you. He will make you like Jesus without any sin at all. Amen. So God bless you. God bless you. So, um... We are four minutes to the top of the hour, and we are still on the topic of knowing God. And I would like us to pray right now. If nobody else has a question, Priscilla or Tameka don't, doesn't have any more questions. Adele. Okay, yeah. So, Priscilla, do you have any other question or contribution? Um, no, I don't. Just um, in addition to what you said earlier, when I joined the call, it was weird to hear that God doesn't want us to. <laughs> no, um, being a Christian doesn't guarantee being um, wealthy. But later, when you talked to me about it, it became clearer because really, financial wealth is the thing of this world, and God is more concerned about what happens to us after we leave this world. So, knowing God and understanding financial concepts would definitely help you to be wealthy here on earth. But yeah. uh, that's not a guarantee. Just knowing God is not a guarantee for you to be wealthy. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's what many people used to trap Christians and put them in slavery and bondage. You, you understand? But that's, that's not true. God gives you spiritual blessings. And everything you need for eternity. And that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And the financial blessings that God gave the Israelites shows you is an ex it shows you the worth and even more of spiritual blessings. Meaning that spiritual blessings are even more than all those blessings that He has described in, in the Old Testament. Spiritual blessings is more. But because it's not a currency here, you, not, you are not going to value it. For example, if you bring yen into the U.S., right, you might not be able to use it anymore. Or maybe not yen. Let me talk about a currency that nobody uses in, 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 on earth. For example, if you bring cowries, right, if you have bags and bags and bags of calories and it's no longer a currency here people might even throw it away 
So spiritual wealth is not a currency on this earth, and people don't value it. But it's a currency somewhere else where we are all going. It's a form of it's, it's wealth where we are going to. And so it's, it's better to gather that wealth here and amass every wealth that God has destined for you for eternity. And that's what is the most important thing. I pray God will keep giving us wisdom to value that spiritual currency that he has given us and not throw it away. Amen. So thank you for everything. Thank you for joining. Um, congratulations again, Tameka. And um, let us pray right now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us your word. We thank you because you love us so much. And you keep explaining these deep secrets unto us. Even as we open our minds. Even as we, we, we set our time to, to hear from you. Lord, we thank you, God Almighty, because your word says that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. So we know that you are excited about Tameka right now. The whole of heaven rejoices. All the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. Father, I thank you because Tameka has repented. This Morning, I thank you because the whole of heaven is happy on our behalf. Lord, let this joy translate into our life. Throughout today, oh God, let her feel your presence. Let her feel the rejoicing that is happening in heaven because of her. In the name of Jesus Christ. All through our life, let her feel the rejoicing in heaven over our life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let this translate to our family, our husband, our children, our career. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you for my other sister that is on the line that has been in you. Oh God, I pray that you also help her enjoy you and feel your love, oh God. I know that you are more interested in our, in our spiritual blessings than our financial blessings. But whatever these ladies are asking of you, oh God, Lord, we ask that you will abundantly give it to them in Jesus' name. Whatever areas of their lives, even if it's financially, Lord, the wisdom, oh God, to milk wealth, Lord, give it to them, oh God, and train them that they should not value those, that financial wealth and be able to love you even when you give it to them and when you withhold it from them. That is the most important thing, oh God. Continue to teach us your word, oh God. Teach us and bless us, oh God. Bless our week. Bless our month. Even as we are going into a new month of July, oh God, we ask that your presence, your blessings, your grace, your joy, your peace, your love will always surround us. Your protection from evil, oh God, will be with us. Your words that say that a thousand shall fall on our left and our right, and ten thousand on our right, but they will not come near us. Evil will not come near us, oh God. Please protect us in the name of Jesus Christ. Protect us from any form of evil, God. And we pray for the ones that their families were destroyed in the collapsed building in Miami, oh God. We ask that you please console them, oh God, and give them comfort, oh God. In this time of trial, oh God, make them joyful in you, oh God. Even though they are mourning the loss of their loved ones in Jesus' name. Lord, surround us with your protection and your angels, oh God. Help us to listen to your Holy Spirit, O oh God. Help us to 
grow in you, God. Hold us, oh God. This even Tameka that you just saved today, hold her, oh Lord. Even as you, oh God, prayed for your disciples, oh Lord, that God should hold them. God, hold this ones. Hold us in faith, oh God. Help us not to leave the faith, oh God. Help us so that at the last day we will be found in heaven. Receive the glory, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name of prayed. Amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, ladies, for joining. Um, You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. All right. See yes, you. thank you so much. Have a lovely week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um,